You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Summer season already, and part of that is because I love this new sermon series that we're in called Ren the Race. <laughs> Amen, Seth. Ren the Race, all through the book of Hebrews, and we're talking about how Jesus wants his church to think and to act. And Hebrews, if you're running, if you're wondering why and where we get this name of this series, Ren the Race. We are going to skip ahead, kind of a spoiler alert, in the book of Hebrews. If you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. These are some of my favorite verses ever. Hebrews chapter 3, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. They say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. Friends, last week, Pastor Eric was here, and he kicked us off in this series so well, and we talked about how Jesus is the biggest deal ever. And one of the things that Jesus does, one of the reasons why he's the biggest deal, is because he gives every single person, you and me, purpose in life. And that purpose is to live the race marked out for us, live out the plans that he has for our lives, and give him all the glory. But here's the reality, right? What we just read is that the race is difficult. It's not an easy race. And it says that we have um, hindrances. There's another version, I think it's ESV, that says that we have weights as we run the race and we have to cast them off. And what's waiting at the finish line is Jesus, Jesus himself. But what I love about God is that he doesn't just drop us off at the starting line, right? And he's like, all right, peace, like, see you in heaven, right? No, Jesus says that he gives everyone who believes the Holy Spirit, God himself, to dwell in us. And so at the same time as we're running the race and our our chief goal is to be united with Jesus, God also gives us himself to run the race along with us. So I'm so excited about this series, and um, I, however, wanted to learn a little bit more about running because if you can't already tell, I'm not much of a runner. Um, I run when I'm in the mood and when I feel like it, which is very infrequent, so I'm terrible at discipline. Uh, Soleil, one of our awesome life group leaders right over there, hey, Soleil, one time Soleil saw me running, and the next day, she's so nice, the next day she said, Claire, I saw you running. She's so nice, she didn't have the heart to say, Claire, I saw you dying on the side of the road. So thank you, Soleil. So in order to understand a little bit better how running, a, how our faith is like running a race, I thought we needed to consult an actual runner. 
So one of our very own life group leaders, Mariah, is going to come up to stage. Can we invite her up here? Woohoo! <laughs> Um, and thank you, Mackie. And Mo um, leads our, oh my gosh, you guys are juniors now. Mo is one of our junior girls leaders. Hey, and this is a photo. Mo! <laughs> Mo, that's you. That's me. That is me before running a half marathon that, um, I love that. my dad and I actually made up ourselves. So we were the oh. only two running it in San oh, Diego. That's so beautiful. No marathons were going on during COVID. <laughs> or if they were, it was virtual, and that was sounds really boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Um, Mo is, uh, I, I like to think of you as an expert runner, oh, uh, an Olympic runner. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about it. Mo, yeah. how long have you been a runner? I've been running for about four years now. Four years. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Awesome. Love that. I started running um, on and off just by myself, and then I started running with my dad. And one day I was running three miles, and then I got to six miles, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if I can do a half marathon. And so I brought that up to my dad, and that's when it all began. And you did. And mm -hmm. you did. So you have run a marathon before. Yes. I. Well, I've ran two half marathons, oh. so <laughs> that counts as a full, right? <laughs> I think two and two together, full marathon. Yeah, counts. yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. I love that, Mo. Now, now let's, be, let's be real here. This is a safe place, right? You're with your HSM family. Yes. Mo, do you actually enjoy running? Or <laughs> like, do you really? Oh, gosh. Do you, you really know enjoy what? it? I actually do. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. I still struggle with running. Honestly, the hardest part is putting your shoes on and actually going out there. Mac can attest to this. There's a lot of times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go on a run. You know, I put my clothes on, my shoes, and then literally like 15 minutes later, she walks into my room and I'm sitting on my bed on my phone. She's like, uh, where'd you going to go on a run? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm getting there, I'm getting there. <laughs> But yeah, okay, once so, once yeah. you go out on um, on the run, yeah, it's that Love feeling that. of accomplishment, growing, getting faster, running longer distances. It's kind of addicting. Love that. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> so one of the things um, that we talk about a lot is um, in the Christian life, this is a race and it's a it's a marathon. Following Jesus is a marathon, not a sprint. So Mo, what is the difference for you between running like like sprinting and then running a marathon? How how does your mindset have to be different? Well, sprinting and long distance running, I feel like they're both equally difficult, but um, in different ways. I'm not as experienced in sprinting, but for long distance running, um, it's very mental. <laughs> um, ver rather than sprinting, the finish line is going to be a little bit closer, but with long distance, it's a little bit further. It's um, So training your body, obviously, to have that endurance, but also training your mind um, and have it set that, you know, Running and physical activity is, I feel like, more mental than physical. Hmm. Um, you have to set your mind to know that I can do this. I'm capable. I've done my training. God has equipped me to do hmm. this. And honestly, that, that's what gets me through. Hmm. <laughs> That's so good. But yeah, it's honestly so mental. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. And maybe this relates to our next question, but as you're running a long race, are there parts of the race that are more difficult than others? Yes. 
Ideally, I would love to run a flat, you know, easy, maybe some downhill, you know, course, but that is not usually the case. <laughs> um, yeah, you're going to face hills, you're going to face incline, um, and honestly, when I see a big hill, my natural instinct is to look down at my feet because mm. I don't want to torture myself and see how much further I have. Mm. But um, I run with my dad. He's the real runner of the family, mm -hmm. but he's taught me to have good posture and always look ahead. Don't look at your feet. Mm. So yeah, so that's taught me to when I see a hill, I look at the very top and that's my goal. Like, mm. And I think that's so important also in life to um, just have our mindset on our ultimate goal because ultimately this hill or whatever you're going through is a lot shorter than hmm. the full marathon and hmm. it's going to be over. And I also think of all the training that I've done and um, how I've equipped myself to do this and yeah. That's, hmm. that's what gets me through. Again, very mental. That's so good, Mo. That's so important. Like, um, running is such, like, a mental game. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this relates. What helps you push through when you face doubt and temptations as you're running your race? Um, running with someone. So hmm. I, like I said, my dad is the real runner of the family. So uh, he's obsessed with running. I'd say I, I love it or tolerate it, but he is obsessed. Um, so running with him is encouraging to me because when I feel like I'm literally like about to die and want to stop, I see him and he's like going strong. I'm like, all right, Mariah, gotta keep going. Um, but also running with someone that loves you and like knows you and is able to push and encourage you just it makes all the difference. So good. So good, Mo. Um, all right, last question for you. Do you relate to the idea that our faith can be like a race to run? And what has God taught you through running? Yes. I think about this all the time. I have so many analogies, but this isn't my sermon. <laughs> um, yeah, so three things that it's taught me. Um, like I said, running the race with someone. Hmm. You can't do life alone. And Amen. just like you can't run a race alone, it gets boring. You, When you want to stop, you are more tempted to stop, and you probably hmm. will, versus if you're with someone. Um, also, a lot of the times while, you, while you're running a race, like I said, you're doing it with a lot of people, you start to compare yourself. Hmm. I like see other people, I'm like, wow, they're going really fast, or they are way more fit than I am. But I've learned that you can't do that, just like in mm. your spiritual life. We're all on our own um, spiritual journey, and it's between us and God, just mm. like my running journey. That's why they're called personal records or personal best. It's your personal best. Mm. It's between, you know, you and your running, just like it is between you and God. Mm. Um, and then the third thing, um, running has been one of my biggest accomplishments in life and I put a lot of times I'll end up putting my identity in it hmm. um, and I've learned that that's not what God has for me and so um, a verse that I memorized when I first started running uh, with my dad was 1 Timothy 4.8 which says for bodily exercise is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way. Um, in that the promise, uh, <laughs> it's a great verse. <laughs> uh, 
It's our game This is a safe space. Okay, okay. Oh, my gosh. Um, and the promise that holds in the present life and the life that is to come. So it's about keeping your eyes on Jesus. It's Amen. not about your physical. God cares more about what you're becoming than comparing yourself. Or, mm. Yeah. Hmm. He That's cares more that you're you're growing, mm, and that has gotten me so a long way good, in running. <laughs> Such good wisdom, Mo. Can we give it up for Mariah for sharing her running expertise? Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, guys, that was so good, and I hope that was helpful as we're thinking about what does it look like to run the race that Jesus has set out for us. I think there was so much godly wisdom that Mo just shared with us, and I think one of those is we have a race to run, right? We talked about this, but the reality is we're still living in a world that is being redeemed by God, right? It's like still in process, and we ourselves are still in the process of being transformed by God to look more more and more like him. So it means that our world in some ways and us ourselves are still broken. And so as we run our race, we are going to face doubt and temptation. That is the reality. The Christian life is not a ticket to an easy life, right? Like that is totally a myth that once you accept God, once you decide to follow Jesus, everything's going to be easy. That's not the case, right? And so what we need to talk about is doubt and temptation. And before um, we go any further, I want to pause and get on the same page on two matters. And that's what doubt and temptation is. And then what we're going to talk about tonight, which is how to survive it, how to get through it. So first of all, doubt and temptation, they are not sins necessarily in and of themselves. Okay. And scripture is so clear that doubt and temptation does not come from God. Right? Like God isn't just like sitting there like, ha ha, you know, I'm just gonna just gonna like stir the pot a little bit. Doubt and temptation do not come from the Lord. So if doubt and temptation are not necessarily sins in and of themselves, in and of themselves, what's the big deal, right? Here's the problem. When we allow doubt and temptation to grow in our lives unchecked, we can be more and more vulnerable to making sinful decisions. So I'm trying to get into gardening, right? That's something else that I'm trying to do. And similar to running, I'm very undisciplined in it. So my plants hardly ever get watered, and I hardly ever take out the weeds. It's really terrible. Um, pray for my plants. But when you're looking out over a garden and you see like three or four weeds, right, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But if I don't do anything about them, if I leave them there, the weeds are going to grow and they'll eventually take over and choke out the plants that I actually want to grow, right? And then I'll have a garden full of weeds. And that is like doubt and temptation. If we allow it to grow unchecked in our lives, we'll eventually find ourselves living a life that isn't completely glorifying to God. And that's why doubt and temptation needs to be taken so seriously. And for the rest of our time together, we are going to look at four ways that we can survive doubt and temptation. But what I don't want you guys to hear tonight is, okay, here's my checklist, right? Here's just the things that I have to do and then I'm good. Because if we don't have the right heart and our heart should be wanting to glorify God, right? Wanting to run this race before us, eyes fixed on Jesus. If we don't have the right heart, these, these practices, they aren't going to change us. Does that sound good, you guys? Amen? 
Amen. All right, so for the rest of our time together, we are going to get practical. Getting practical is the name of the game because tonight's big idea is that as we run the race, we will face doubt and temptation. But God is faithful and loving to equip us in our times of need. So let's dive into Hebrews together and talk about four ways that God equips us to survive doubt and temptation. Number one, first fill in the blank, call it out. Name your doubts and temptations. So I'm really into football. I know uh, Kel Dog and I uh, are Rams fans. Uh, go Rams. <laughs> go Rams, baby. And so I like to think about it of like, think it, be the ref of your own life, right? Like throw a flag on the play. If you see doubt and temptation coming up in your life, throw that flag. Call it out. Hebrews chapter 3 Verse 12 says this, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I love that verse because it says, see to it. That is not a passive way to live your life. We are called to actively have hearts that seek Jesus. And I think one of the keys to that is identifying doubt and temptation in our life and calling it out. And one of the reasons why this is so powerful is because I think that when we're in these seasons of doubt, temptation, fear, or worry, the enemy likes to attack us, right? And I think one of the biggest lies he tells us is this. You can't tell anyone what's going on. That, that if, you, if you tell someone what you're struggling with, they're not going to love you or they're no longer going to accept you. And that is a lie, the enemy wants you to live in darkness and keep everything in darkness, but God calls us to bring things to the light. And the light exposes what was in the darkness. So at first it can be pretty painful, right? If you've ever woken up in the middle of the night and you go out to get a glass of water and you flick on the lights, you like flinch, right? You're like, oh my gosh, that's so bright. The light can be painful at first, but remember this, friends, the light always brings life. Light always brings life. And so we need to call out our doubts and temptations and bring them to the light. And I don't want us to just take it easy and just call it out. I think it's easy to see the behaviors and maybe thought patterns and not really understand that there's often a deeper root to our doubts and temptations. So all of you today got this little handout. If you can look at it, hold it out. And Remember we were just talking about weeds in a garden. If I took out the weeds in my garden and just did what was easy, right, everything that was above ground, I would get rid of the weeds, but I would be leaving the most dangerous part, which is the roots. If the, if the roots of a weed stay in the garden, the roots will grow, and they'll eventually suck out all the nutrients that, from the plants that you want to grow, and then eventually the weeds will come back, and they'll come back even stronger. So in your life groups tonight, I want you to take some time and go through this little exercise. And what it will do is help you identify that maybe there are some doubts and temptations in your life, but they probably have a deeper root. And that's so important because sometimes that deeper root, I think, can be a big question like, is God really good or does God really love me? And we need to get to that root if we really want to call out doubt and temptation in our lives so that we can cut it off where it starts and we won't see it come up in other parts of our lives. So take some time in your life groups 
to really call out your doubts and temptations. And like I said, we're getting really practical tonight. So with everything we talk about, there will be a challenge. And challenge number one is this. Tell someone you trust. Tell someone what's really going on. And I'm just going to get on my soapbox for one minute and say, this room, this HSM family should be full of people that you trust that you should be able to share in your life group in a safe space. And you should know that your life group leaders love you and they want to run the race with you and they can be people that you trust. So number one, to survive doubt and temptation, call it out. Number two, cling to truth. Humble yourself before God and his word. Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 and 13 say this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Friends, the Bible is not an ancient text that's totally irrelevant today. God's word is alive and active. It says all scripture is breathed out by God. It's powerful and God's word is a gift. And friends, earlier when we talked about how we know temptation is not a sin by itself is because Jesus in his life was tempted on multiple occasions, but we know that Jesus never sinned. And probably one of the most famous instances of this, Jesus was fighting temptation from the enemy in the desert. And you want to know how Jesus fought off the enemy and fought off that temptation? He used God's word. He quoted scripture word for word. And it says that God's word is like is sharper than a double-edged sword. God used truth. Jesus used truth to cut through the enemy's lies about and, tempt, and temptation. And we can do the same today, friends. God's word is our tool, and we should study it and know it and come to love it. But I want to be clear here, God's word, reading it, doesn't always feel good. Don't get me wrong, this book, God's word, is the most encouraging place that you could ever be in. But it doesn't always feel good. Remember, verse 12 says that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So I want to be clear here, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And as we're reading God's word and we open it, maybe sometimes you might find yourself feeling guilty, like, like your true self is being exposed. But condemnation is a tool of the enemy. It's something that he uses to leave you feeling guilty and hopeless in your sin. The enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. That's condemnation. But conviction is holy right? Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And it can still be painful at first because it's calling out your sin. Remember, bringing those things to the light. But the Holy Spirit uses grace and turns you back to God. And so as, you, as we read God's word, we can trust that God is good and we can humble ourselves before it and allow God to use it to transform us. So your second challenge is to read God's word every single day. And if you don't know where to start, every week, once again, we are giving out bookmarks, a Bible reading plan through the book of Hebrews. Start here. And then memorize verses weekly. 
every single week. We want you students to feel equipped and prepared. Every week, there is a Bible memory verse on your sermon notes. And together, as a life group, you can memorize God's word, keep it in your heart every single week. Cling to truth. And number three, create community. Invest in your relationships with other Christ followers. I love one of the things that Mo said is one of the best ways for her to fight doubt and temptation as she's running races is to run with somebody. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 say this. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Friends, you and I were made to be in relationships. Tonight we've talked about God, the Trinity, God the Father, uh, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is inherently relational. And he created us in his image. So we were made to be in relationships, first and foremost, with God and then with each other. I love verse 14 that says that when we believe in Christ, we have come to share with him. And that followers of Christ are bonded in deeper ways than we can even fathom. Friends, maybe you've heard this before, but I love this quote and it goes like this. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. The Christian life really is a marathon, not a sprint. And so we need each other. We need to invest in each other and encourage one another. And to encourage is not just a keep it happy band-aid that we slap on a really painful and serious situation. To encourage literally means to give the gift of courage. And I just felt like God was putting this on my heart as I was preparing for tonight that Friends, for some of you, you really need to encourage your friend, and I'm telling you the best way to encourage them is to be there for them. Just be there with them. And, and maybe you just need to encourage them, give them the gift to keep going, to keep going another day, believing that God loves them and that God has a purpose for them. Create community. And number four, probably the most important, is to keep your eyes on Christ. Always, always go back to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 say this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, we always have to go back to Jesus. Jesus relates to us. Remember, we talked about how important that is last week. Jesus knows what it's like, but he never sinned. At the end of the day, we are all imperfect people, but Jesus is our perfect savior. And he is our high priest. He's our advocate telling to the Father, through Jesus alone, we can have confidence in approaching God's throne of grace to help us in our time of need. In order to run the race, just like Mo was talking about, you need to keep your eyes on your ultimate goal. And friends, our ultimate goal in this life is Jesus. So we have to keep our eyes on him. And this is part of the hope that we have, right? 
because one day we will be united with Jesus face to face. And there will be no need to doubt because our faith will be fulfilled. We'll see God right before our eyes. And there will be no way that temptation could ever find us. Keep your eyes on Christ. And as we're, if you're wondering, okay, then how do we apply this? How do we get practical about keeping our eyes on Christ? As we are reading through the book of Hebrews together this summer, these questions, one of my best friends gave, gave them to me, and it made Hebrews one of my favorite books in the Bible. As you are going through this book, I want you to ask every day, why do I believe that Jesus is enough for me today? And then what do I need to do about it? Because I think what you'll find as you open God's word is that Jesus is more than enough for you. And I think when you get to that place, then maybe you realize, maybe I need to block this website where I'm seeing a lot of temptation. Maybe I need to get plugged in on serving on Sundays. Maybe I need to commit to coming to my life group and loving um, my fellow students and, and being open with my life group leader. But what I also love about this question, to be honest, is that it leaves some room for doubt. Because I think you can read that question and you can go, you know, I really don't believe that Jesus is enough for me today. So what do I need to do about it? Is there a question that I need to talk to my life group leader about? Is there something that I need to study? Do I need to spend some time in God's word and, and eventually get to this place of believing that Jesus is enough for you? So right now, before I pray for us, I want everyone to close their eyes. Everyone close their eyes. Stop all your side conversations. And I want you, in the quietness of your heart, I want you to picture what is that weight? What is that sin or doubt or temptation that is weighing you down as you run the race? And as you're picturing that, I want you to think about the things that God is calling you in order to survive this doubt or temptation, in order to cast off this weight onto Jesus. We talked about four things tonight. Call it out. Cling to truth. Create community. And keep your eyes on Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for every single student and leader here. Jesus, thank you that you really are the biggest deal and that you've given each and every one of us a purpose to run the race that you have set before us. And God, we with confidence want to bring all of our doubts and temptations to you. Jesus, would you move so big in life groups tonight? Would you help us have great discussions, open discussions about what's really going on so that through you, Jesus, and through the power that you show through community, that you would help us survive these doubts and temptations and keep our eyes fixed on you. Jesus, we love you so much and we're so grateful for you. In your powerful name.